I praise the Lord for this wonderful privilege of sharing God's word with you this morning. Every time I stand up to share God's word, I shiver. Because in the New Testament, during an offering, God struck two people down. And preaching is much more dangerous than that. I want to thank Pastor Peter and Brother Mike, Pastor Michael for this privilege. And uh, much more than that, it's the Lord Jesus Christ that brought us here. And because of him, we are one body. And I was very thrilled to hear Brother, Mr. Uh, our two church planters talking about the oneness, the body of Christ. And that thrilled my heart. I praise the Lord for that. Praise you. In India, often when I talk about individuals from the Old Testament or New Testament, most especially young people would say, Uncle Jeevan, they had some special uh, gifts. They had some special knowledge of God. God had their hand upon them in a very special way. We are not like that. We are in the 21st century. We did not know Moses. We did not know Abraham. We did not know David. But we are far away from that. And so those guys were some kind of invincibles. That is not the truth. They were not invincible. James talks about Elijah being a man like us. Probably, if you were living today, he would have been in Starbucks. <laughs> and when a queen said boo, Elijah ran with his tail tucked behind his hind legs and told, Lord, Lord, look here. I am no use. I am depressed. I cannot do anything. He was just like me. I get very depressed. I get very sad when things don't go the way I want things to go. We realized that they were ordinary people, just like you and me. They had nothing special. Look at the lives of uh, the Old Testament or the New Testament character, or people. Every one of them had tremendous failures, much more than we did. Elijah's depression was so great that God had to go on a force feeding with him. You know, God said, stop and sit and eat. Secondly, the covenant which God made with Abraham had a clause. It was not just for Abraham. He did not say that, Abraham, I'm making you a blessing. I'm going to call you and make you a blessing. But he said, I'm going to make you a blessing. We have a responsibility to the people around us. Abraham was to be a blessing to his generation. We are to be a blessing. We are to touch the people around us. And Galatians, God says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, so that becoming curse for us, so that in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, those who do not have a clue about the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, through the, uh, through the Spirit. Covenant has a responsibility. And when God entered into a covenant with his people, God realized that they were not able to carry it through. They would fail, and they did fail. And so even when God entered into the covenant, he had purposed and planned a way so that God can help us to keep that covenant. Covenant is a contract. Will you and me enter into a contract with somebody knowing that that person is going to fail? knowing even before the contract is signed, he is not going to keep 
the promises or the responsibilities or the clauses of that covenant. That is what exactly the Lord Jesus and the Father did when he went and made a covenant with Abraham within a few months when there was a famine. What does Abraham do? Abraham runs off to Egypt, not even an SMS to the Lord to check with the God. Shall I go to Egypt? The guy who is the father of our faith did not even have the faith to trust God that God can keep him safe in famine or in plenty. He ran away for his life. And then he made his wife Sarah tell lies. Father of faith. He failed. But God did not abandon him. God said he is a father of our faith. And um, Lord is very often very busy salvaging our messed up lives and consequences of our breached covenants. We are the earthen vessels. In us, Christ invested the treasure of the gospel. Our responsibility is to share this gospel with, with the people around us. That's our responsibility. Abraham, every one of them said, you will be a blessing. If you are not a blessing, we are not keeping the responsibility or the investment God has made in us. This morning, I want to talk about a young girl. Second Kings chapter 5, 1, 4. Now, 1 to 4. Now, Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of, of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given him given Aram victory. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, bands from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to his mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Great and honorable man, highly regarded by his king, and there is that little clause. The power, the victory did not come from the king of Syria, which was Aram, or the skills of Naaman. The victory Naaman got was from God. God was giving victories to a godless, a guy who was attacking God's people. Even the heathen, the victories they have, come from God. They are not sovereign. They are not lords. Their gods are not gods. The true God is the almighty God we have in the Bible. Yahweh, I am that I am. He doesn't change. So everywhere we read, you know, when Daniel was taken to taken captive and all those stuff, there is a little cross everywhere. The Lord gave those people the power or the permission to do it. So without God allowing, nothing, nobody can touch us. No power on earth can separate you and me from the love of Christ. That's what Paul said. If I kind of stop, because I am used to preaching with the translation, so if I have a little, you know, in India, each province has its own language, so often I have a translation, so if I wait for a sentence, I am waiting for my translator to complete his sentence. <laughs> Naaman was a guy who was bent on destroying God's people. 
He did not have the righteousness of God. Yet God gave him victory. We do not know why. By Lord. And then he takes up an innocent girl. His troops takes up an innocent girl from Israel. Captive. And takes them to Syria. That is what exactly happened during those days. Whenever a kingdom or a, a group of um, small nations became powerful, they would attack the neighboring villages. You remember David had a hard time with his uh, uh, runaway band when they were alone. Somebody came and attacked them and took away all their wives and children and everybody else. But David recovered all. It's a very common thing. And one of the things they believe is that your God is small. Your God is helpless. My God is stronger. That is what, not, not, not only through the raid, they are saying that we are powerful, we, they are also saying that our God is more powerful than your God. When the Lord, I am, the great Yahweh, brought Israel out of Egypt, even Rahab said, you were, you, the stories of you have spread all around. People are scared of you. Our hearts melt. Our knees are bending because of fear. Because they were not afraid of Israel, but afraid of the God of Israel. It was the God who did it. So suddenly, here the Lord God, the great I am, allowing a heathen nation to attack his own people and take them captive, destroy the village, kill the old people, take away the young and the healthy, whom they can use. Is God taken a vacation? Is that the great I am has gone into a senior moment like me and forget things? Oh, I forgot to protect those people. No. This is because the cycle of sin which Israel went through. through read through the judges and the Samuel. They cry out to the Lord whenever they were in trouble. When they were not in trouble, they abandoned God. Every Often you read in the book of Judges, they did exactly what they thought was right in their eyes. They abandoned the God who brought them out of Egypt. So what does the Lord do? Hoping that they would turn back, he will send them enemies who will plunder them. Then they will cry out, of course, like you and I. When things go well, when everything is nice, our bank balance are fantastic, God is not exactly on the top of our agenda. But when things go wrong, oh, Lord Jesus, please help me. Right? This is what exactly happened. And God did not say, uh-huh, you were so bad, now you want me. I would have said that. <laughs> but God did not do that. He would help. He would send help. Often. But in this case, no help. The poor girl was taken captive. And taken as a slave to a home in Syria. Aram is Syria. Heathen people. A servant writes even today, even in those days. But a slave had absolutely no rights. So this poor girl, probably 11, 12, 13-year-old girl, a princess in her home, darling of her parents, loved by one and all, finds herself in the midst of a heathen nation as a slave 
not as a servant, as a slave. Often in Bangalore and in India, we read in the newspapers, we have servants made in, servant maids in India. They were ill-treated. They were, you know, uh, beaten with rods and uh, hit with uh, um, frying pans, and they have been, they have been uh, subjected to all kinds of torture, often come up in the newspapers. We read it. Nobody can question that. Of course, the police come, of course, in India, of course, you bribe the police and everything will be honky-dory. This is exactly the situation here. The girl had no right. And in Israel, every pious Jew would get up in the morning and thank God for three things. He would say, Lord, I thank you, Lord Yehovah. I thank you, I am not a dog. I thank you, I am not a woman. I thank you, I am not a Gentile. So women didn't have much of a status in Israel even in those days. Though Lord did not do that, but men, of course, invented that and used it against the women, as we do even today. So this girl didn't have any social standing even in her own place. And little children are not considered important at all. So this was a tweak of a girl in a foreign land, abandoned by all. And how did she react to a culture, a situation like this? Let's take a few minutes to look at it. If I were in a situation like that, I would have gone into a beautiful, enjoyable season of self-pity. Why me? <laughs> Where is God when I, when I hurt? Where is the Lord Jesus Christ who said, you would never leave me or forsake me? Where is God when my chips are down? Why am I a slave? Didn't I read the Bible? Didn't I be, don't I belong to the people of God, the covenanted people of God? Where is my God? How will I prove, how will even my tell my neighbors that Yahweh, the great I am, is a true God? When the Syrians could uh, destroy that village, kill my people, and take me away as a slave. Where is God when my job is gone? How can I see the hand of God when I f face injustices everywhere I turn? Where is God in my life when I lose my house? Where is Jesus Christ who said, who will never leave you or forsake you when I don't have a job? Where is the prosperity? How did the Lord say that I'm, he's taking you to a land with flowing with milk and honey? Hey, he forgot that? Probably we need to remind the I am that, oh, we need a land with flowing with milk and honey. Here there is no milk, no honey, but slavery. I would have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed my self-pity. Where is my health? I am diabetic. Oh Lord, what happened to my health? You promised me none of these diseases. We share the blessing of the commonwealth of Israel. And we also share in the sin of Israel, the people around us, our community. We share in the victories of God's people, the church, the body of Christ. And we also share in the consequences of our abandoning God. 
But you and I say that we don't abandon God. If I abandon God, would I be in uh, covenant tree church this morning? I can be physically here. But my heart can be far away from God. I can be physically singing holy, holy, holy. But my mind can be running away faster than Usain Bolt. Away from God to my desires. What I can plan after this. Make me a kick out of life. So I have the joy of being a Christian, part of a, being a body of Christ, yet abandon God when I walk out of this. I would have asked, why me God? Where is God in a situation like this? What did I do wrong? Self-pity usually leads to selfishness. God left me. My people are gone. I am alone. I have no job. I have no friends. Nobody calls me for Starbucks. No phone calls. When I don't go to church, nobody calls me up and says, why I didn't come to church? Do you know, my dear brothers and sisters, I grew up in a militant Hindu group called the Arasas. Taliban is child's play. Trust me. <laughs> Kindergarten guys. That group meets one hour a day Every day. We meet two hours a day you know, on a Sunday. And if uh, Pastor Peter or Pastor Michael asks you to come on a Wednesday prayer meeting, how many of you would come? Five, six? RSS guys, if I do not go to a meeting on a particular day, every day I have to go, two of them will be in my house the next day. In those days, there were no cell phones. They would take their cycles, pedal all the way through the dusty roads of India to locate me and tell me you are needed in the, in the great program we have for the nation of India. You are very important. How many of us take a phone and call our brother, sister, who do not show up in church? How many of us have the compassion to go 40 miles out of our house to visit a friend who is in need, a believer who is in need. We claim that we are the body of Christ. We claim that one part of the body, when it hurts, the whole body hurts. We have all kinds of claims. But do we actually do it? Yeah. So, so I would say, if God has left me, made me a slave, made me lose my job, faced injustice, I am going to leave God and everybody else. Self, I, am go, I am going to look after me. It's absolute selfishness. I am alone. Yahweh left me. I need to look out for myself. And I have another special spiritual gift. I can sulk. I can walk two miles around Pradeep's house and when, I'm, when I have some problem and sit on a park bench. And thinking, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. This is what I'm going to do. I have my Bible with me. I have the prayer request with me. Everything. Yeah. I'm going to pray. But most of the time, I'm sulking. Thinking about my difficulties. Thinking about my problems. Thinking about how people are not dealing with me the, the, the way I think they should. This girl. Anybody who should have any right to self or go into a self-pity. 
this girl had it. And she didn't. Why? Psalm 66, 10, 12, please. I will read from 8 onwards. Praise our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, O God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison. You laid burdens on our heads. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and deep water but you brought us to a place of abundance. In this verse, in this passage, we see psalmist does not accuse his enemies. Psalmist accuse, does not accuse his boss. Oh, Lord, I have a very horrible boss. And Lord, I am cringing beneath her weight. Psalmist says, well, what does he say? Who brought him? Yahweh, the great I am, the great God with his purposes in mind, with his plans in mind. When God takes through deep waters and fire, it is with a purpose. In Isaiah, he said, when you go through deep waters and fire, he did not say, if you go through deep waters and fire, we will go through deep waters and fire. That is the heritage of people who belong to the Lord. Look through the prophets of the Old Testament. Look, read Jeremiah and Lamentations. See the agony of the prophet. Is he a man of God? Often when you read through Jeremiah, say, is he really a man of God? He is so depressed. He says, cursed be the day I was born. Cursed be the day guy who came and told my dad, hey, you have a son, you need to give me cigars. No. That's the guy. That's the agony of the man. But my dear brothers and sisters, we will go through deep waters and fire. It is not our enemies. It is a God who plans it. He, you brought us into prison. When servants of God in India go to prison, it is not because of the enemies or the gospel. It is the Lord allows it. We have a pastor in Grace Ministries team, Pastor Babu. He was handing out tracts on a street corner about three years ago. Bunch of guys came, dragged him to the police station. In that state, you can drag a guy to the police station, trying, say, if you tell them, tell the police that he was trying to convert these people. They said, this man is trying to convert us. It is a crime. There is an anti-conversion bill in that state. The anti-conversion bill says, you cannot use for threat or inducement for conversion. Fair enough. But... Talking about hell is threat. Talking about heaven is inducement. So where do you go? You don't go anywhere. You have to go, go to jail. So Pastor Babu was dragged to jail. You know how many days he was in jail without even a trial, without even a first information report? 90 days. Who brought him to jail? I, we wouldn't call the RSS fellows dead. The Lord brought him to jail. Why? 90 days, he preached the gospel to every police guy in the station and every prisoner and every fellow who went through the prison and the guy, the shorter little boy who brought him tea every day, he preached the gospel. 
the gospel went out so the evil guys thought they are they are victorious but the last laugh was pastor babu's oh no the lords pastor babu we, i got upset too we were calling lawyers and this and that but god had a purpose when i go through this oh my goodness it is the lord who does it and laid burdens on us the hebrew word used there is heavy heavy burden i cannot bear it i am cringing beneath the weight of it i don't see any escape route i am almost crushing under this weight and who did it yahweh the lord jesus christ the great i am with a purpose we went through fire and deep water you refined us like silver how many of you know how silver is refined i lived in a small village when i was small several of my friends were silversmiths goldsmiths i have gone to their places and see how it is done exactly like the bible says they will put it in the fire in a special earthen pot melt the silver or gold and then immediately plunge that into cold water from heat to cold from heat to cold from heat to cold one trial after the other one trial after the other and one of the secrets there are two secrets in this the master craftsman will never allow one of his flunkies or man fridays to do that because it is a very critical job it goes through a process until that man's master craftsman's face is reflected in that liquid gold he doesn't move from there he doesn't take off for a cigarette he stays there the master craftsman our master craftsman our lord jesus christ he is transforming us into his image when you go from cold to hot and hot to cold and do all these things it is not some flunky or some angels or michael hey michael please look after jeevan as i prepare him into my image no it is the master craftsman sits there and waits for his face to reflect on my face in my life but the tragedy is i am not very appreciative of that i bigger and i do not want to go through this purifying process christianity is easy isn't it i mean if you look at the tv evangelists it is uh, believe on the lord jesus christ and boom you got uh, a lottery all your problems are gone i was a hindu for 18 years of my life card carrying hindu if anybody tells me believe on the lord jesus christ and all their all your problems are gone you need he need to see a shrink immediately it's a beginning of our trials god takes us through deep waters and trials this is what exactly happened and the beauty of it is the hot and cold is not permanent what permanent is you brought us to a place of abundance who the same god great yahweh who took us through this hot and cold experience when his face he can see in our lives when the lord jesus christ can trust me with the holy spirit when he knows that he has imprinted his image on my life until then 
this hot and cold series goes on. This poor girl went through that with a purpose. At that time, the girl didn't know it. When we go through these things, we do not know it either. But that's what exactly happening. So, it is not our bosses, not our mothers-in-law, or brothers-in-law, or family that is chasing us. It is the Lord allowing us to go through difficult times so that he can make us into the kind of people we want, he wants. And reading about seeing this girl is in Naaman's house, slave, hating Naaman, probably. I don't think so. And he, she finds out Naaman has leprosy. We do not know whether it was a serious skin disease or a leprosy. We do not know. Scholars are divided on that. Scholars are always divided on everything. <coughs> and if I were in her place, I would have sent several SMSs. Hallelujah. Naaman has leprosy. My oppressor is punished by Yahweh. God is punishing my enemy. Yeah? At least I would have felt in my heart, even though I did not send a SMSs. I would have really felt in my heart, yeah, that's what is happening, right? Yeah? But no. Somehow, you know, it is strange. The Lord Jesus, the Yahweh, the great I am, does not share my hatred. Hmm. Funny. And my prejudices, as our brother said. And my condescending attitude toward others. Oh boy, oh boy. I am a Hindu convert, aren't I? I am from a high caste, right? He does not join me in hating the bad people. I am only hating the bad people, not the good guys. I am not hating, uh, I know, people who love the Lord Jesus Christ. No, no, no. I am hating people like Charles Dawkins, praying that he would have leprosy or cancer. No? But God doesn't join me in that. Somehow God doesn't answer those prayers. Somehow, going up there or not, I am not sure. Lord does not even join me in what I consider is righteous anger. These militant Hindu groups are attacking churches, raising them to ground, killing people, raping women, destroying Christians in all parts of India. I have been praying that God will give them all leprosy, but somehow he didn't. So he is not joining me in my hatred, in my prejudices, in my righteous anger. Oh boy. He doesn't even sap them. He could. He could sap a couple of people in a offering time. He could sap these guys. I am zealous for his name. Don't I see it? I want to give a fitting reply to people who hate God, the Bible, and the Christians. But God doesn't do that. Not only he doesn't do that, he rubs it in saying that he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Oh boy. A Hindu god, the god of uh, Hare Krishna group, Krishna, he said in one of the Hindu scriptures, whenever there is a decline of uh, righteousness and uh, increase of unrighteousness, I come into the world to destroy the unrighteous. I like that part. And help the righteous. But the Lord Jesus Christ turned around and said, I have come for what? 
Righteous? No, unrighteous. She could have cursed Naaman the rest of her life. Prayed against Naaman the rest of her life. No court would have said she is doing a wrong thing. The Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew 5, 44, 48 and Luke 6, 28. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward is there? He does not say, okay, guys, please, if you can, bring up your uh, good, you know, in uh, Star Wars, when I was in college, we saw Star Wars and, uh, you know, good side and the bad side, the evil guy. And uh, if your good side is on the side, if you are on a good mood, try to forgive those who persecute you. Oh, no. It is imperative. We have no choice there. You and I are expected to pray and love those who are a tremendous pain in our necks. Those who, those who make our lives the most difficult. Those who accuse us of things which we have not done. Honey, I have not come across any part of the Hindu scriptures says anything like this. That's what God is all about. He knows our frame. He knows our enemy's frame. He knows the end from the beginning. And he does not deal with us according to our iniquities. And he does not deal with those people according to their iniquities. He loves the righteous and the unrighteous. This girl somehow even without the whole Bible. Anybody for a prayer group to support her in her difficult slavery came up with this wonderful thing, not to curse Naaman. What does, he, what does she say? If only my master would go to Samaria and meet a man of God, if only he would go, her heart is not in her plight. Her heart is not in her slavery. Her heart is not in her difficulties. Her heart is this Naaman would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a covenantal responsibility, my friends. Abraham and all of us have this privilege to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ so that when we die, I have a special cloud so that I can sit on that cloud and pluck a harp. No. While I am on this earth, I have to share this good news that Christ died for us. You and I can have eternal life with the people around us, whether they are friendly or unfriendly, whether they are good or bad, whether they are kind to us or unkind to us. We have no choice. Paul said the same thing. Let, if I do not preach the gospel, let me be accursed. I know a friend of mine in India. He has a book always in his pocket. That's the names of his friends and people whom you know. If I tell Pastor Peter's daughter, he would have that name. When he walks on the road, he'll be flipping through it. People will think that um, he's talking on the cell phone, but no, he's praying for people 
whom he hasn't even met. That's the power of the body of Christ. We share in our joy as well as in the difficulties we have. This girl, with all the handicaps she faced, all the difficulties she faced, she tells her mistress, please tell your husband to go to Samaria and meet the man of God, and he will help him. And I want to talk, tell you about a guy called Shankar. Slide five, please. No, this one is, yeah. This lady was a Hindu. She sold flowers in front of a very famous temple in India. Millions of people go to that temple. And they had, like in the New Testament times, in the front of the temple, there will be so many shops selling knickknacks. She was a committed Hindu, a poor woman, made her livelihood from this selling of the flowers. Somebody gave her a grace ministry study Bible. She saw it in her brother's house, actually. Her brother became a Christian, and he had it in his house. Reading that Bible, without meeting anybody, she came to know the Lord. So she took that Bible to this... There are hundreds of shops there. I did not take the photograph. To this small pushcart, where she sells the knickknacks for the temple worship, and was reading the Bible. The militant Hindu saw it. They dragged her to the police station. And they beat her up on the way. Her husband is a heart patient. He cannot work. She has two children. She lives on what she can get out of this selling these knickknacks. In the police station, this is the first time I was grateful to God for unions. These people had an un, 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 uh, unorganized union. So about 70, 80 women ran to the police station who, were, who also had shops like this in front of the temple. All of them kicked up a huge racket, and of course the police can handle men, but 70 women screaming, even the police inspector <coughs> kind of let her go. And then the inspector said, would you like to file a case against these guys who dragged you, beat you? She was bleeding. You know what she said? The Lord Jesus Christ, whom I met a few months ago, forgave my sins. I have no complaints against his people. These are all young people. If I complain, they will not get a job. They will be thrown out of schools. I will not file a complaint against them. That's what the power of the gospel is. And not only that, she came out of jail, I mean, came out of the police station. The next day, the women who ran with her, they were anxious, no? What were you reading? So they got so upset. So she said, read this. This is what I was reading. So the women began to read. Five of them from that group has come to know the Lord. Amen. That excites me. That's powerful stuff, isn't it? No preacher, no pastor, nobody, nothing. The word of God. God moves in amazing ways. Then slide five. Shankar, there is a guy called Siddharth. He was a Buddhist. His parents were rich. His father was the district veterinary doctor for the whole district. He had a gazetted officer, a big officer in the government. And that boy has mental illness. He would be possessed on certain days. 
So nobody would give him a wife. He could not complete his studies, no job. He was in very, very difficult situation. Shankar is a Brahmin convert. He is part of the Grace Ministries team. So Shankar began to share the gospel with him. And over the months, that Siddharth, Buddhist boy, accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only that, his possession stopped immediately, of course. When the Lord Jesus Christ enthrones in our hearts, the power of evil has no place in our hearts, no right in our hearts. So there was nothing, no more demon possession, no more screaming and foaming and running. He became a sane guy. Even his parents were shocked. And parents were against Shankar when he was sharing the gospel. Wonderful story. But the beauty of, you want to hear? Shankar is 95% deaf. He cannot hear anything. He can explore the, the loudest sounding cracker and Shankar won't even look at you. He shared the gospel. When Shankar speaks, I cannot understand. So when Shankar speaks to me, I have my laptop open and I ask him to... So I, okay, so now I like... Because I don't understand. Because he has, he's deaf, his speech is, speech is kind of gone. But that was not a handicap, a hindrance for the Spirit of God to reach Siddharth, this Buddhist boy, with the gospel and transform that boy and make him a new citizen of heaven. Tracked him out of the clutches of the devil. Like C.T. Sturt, some people want to live near a sound of the church or chapel bell. But I want to run a rescue shop within the yard of hell. C.T. Sturt was a great cricketer from England, missionary to Africa. He said, my job is to pluck people out of hell. This girl, slave, Shankar, stone deaf. Hey. But that's not a handicap for the Spirit of God. How about you and me? Shankar, when I go with Shankar, when Shankar travels with me, I am scared. Because India, <coughs> giving out tracts is not an easy job. You get into big trouble. They can drag you to the police station. Shankar will have a bag and it will have all kinds of tracts. So he will take one out and boom, give it to the guy who is serving us tea. So looks at it. And if he goes to the station, we are all, you know, cut short our journey and we are in the police station. That's the power of the gospel. The well that's springing up in us. The Lord Jesus Christ told a Samaritan woman, come and drink of it and there will be a well springing out from your well. And that, my friends, that is what makes us stand in India. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not by strength. It is not by Jeevan's strength. It is not by grace ministry's strength. It is not by my might. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. This girl goes to the lady and says, your husband needs to go to Samaria. No politically correct wording. See, that statement is a pregnant statement. When she tells Mrs. Naaman, hey, madam, your husband needs to see a man of God in Samaria, what she was telling in between the lines is, your God are no gods. You have no help, no spiritual power in your land. You, have, you may have hundreds of gods, but they are not gods. God is in Samaria. God is Yahweh. 
God with power, the almighty God, is the great I am. Oh boy, I would be really scared to go up and talk to somebody like that. Tell them that they are wrong and you need to come to the, come to the Lord. How do you feel? Do you feel comfortable to invite a stranger whom you met a couple of times to church? If you, even if you are scared to share about Jesus. Two years ago when I was, um, we were here during Christmas time, nobody was willing to say Merry Christmas. Pradeep said I had to be politically correct. Happy holidays. But this girl does not seem to be politically correct. She made a difference in that household. By her faith. Why do you think Naaman would go to the king? I mean, next verse, if you read, Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel said. What would Naaman go and say? Sir, I need to go to Samaria. Oh, yeah? Why? Um, leprosy cure. Doctor there? No, 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 no doctor. Then who? Uh, there's a God. Their God is greater than our God. And there is a prophet, a man of God. Their God, not our God. There, and he can heal. Oh, really? Who told you, Naaman? My wife. Oh, who told your wife? What will the poor Naaman say? What will you say? The slave girl? The little twig of a girl? So Naaman has to say, the slave girl whom I brought from Israel, she told me to go. The king, I am sure, would scratch his head and turn his head and say, when did we last have this man's psychiatric analysis? The king, the woman, Naaman, the king, all of them were willing to take that move because of the testimony, of the witness, the life they saw in this girl in that house of slavery. That's what you and I are called for. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. But we live like less than the most defeated people. As Pastor Peter said, the devil will come and witness, continue to scream in our hearts and ears the failures that we have been, the sins we have committed. You are no good. If you are good, why do you be a slave in Syria? If your God is really interested in you, why do you suffer? The girl was not willing to listen to those voices. She listens to the voice of God. And she takes a risk. She takes a risk and shares the truth with Naaman. Christianity is not a spectator religion. Laura's parents took us to the first baseball game in our lives, 42 plus thousand people. A few guys running around and uh, the rest of us sitting in stands and screaming. I like that. Churches are like that. It is Pastor Peters and Pastor Michaels and uh, the singing team's responsibility or the intervarsity staff workers. I will come to church, put something in the offering box, and my responsibility is over. Let them do the running around, first base, second base, third base. 
that's a tragedy that's a lie the devil has told us constantly my friends i have seen the lord move in amazing ways in india i asked one of our pastors before the board meeting we had a board meeting last week I, we, we don't ask for reports because sometimes it can put them in a, a difficult situation so i said uh, i never asked you for reports but board members are asking for it how many people came to church came to know the lord in your area last year you know where he works he works in a tribal area the nearest grain of salt shop is about 40 kilometers away and communists with guns are running those places every now and then we read in newspapers that bombs explode killing hundreds of people one of our church members husband was beheaded by the communists because he did not listen to them right in front of his child that's a place in works difficult difficult place and there again communists have constantly told us not to preach the gospel 140 baptisms last year 141 baptisms last year the lord has brought from the hindu faith animist tribal people power of god nothing can stop the work of god no power on earth or in heaven can stop his progress can i have eight and nine please slides his name is gopi 20 years ago when he was a young man he is in his 40s he was a hitman for the underworld if you want to get somebody killed in india in that part of town you go and give gopi equivalent to 200 dollars and he will do the job for you and absolute satisfaction guaranteed and he killed three people and they put him in jail like three life sentences 48 or 50 years he was supposed to be in jail one day his wife visited him in jail and that told him i have never known another man other than you but i have i am hiv positive so is our son you gave that to us so i am going to commit suicide because in you know 15 20 years ago if you are hiv positive in india you don't have a life and in the ch- in that jail we have an evangelist who goes around sunday that evangelist begins to share the gospel with this ruffian with this very evil man who did not listen to anybody and slowly the holy spirit god began to melt his heart the lord changed gopi gopi's name and his photographs came in the news very often and he was on tv also and changed his heart and he accepted the lord and then the next few years his exemplary life in jail made the jailer to write a letter to the government of india and said this guy is more useful outside than inside so they sent him out and he started a church with five or six people and they said was if any god can change this horrible gopi that god is god simple simple calculation logic too and all his family members all hindus 
high caste Hindus came to know the Lord. Today, of the five church member churches lasted last year is 45 and growing. And he is the only one and his son and his, and his wife alive who had HIV about 20 years ago. All his contemporaries have died, gone. The Lord Jesus Christ kept him as a witness to share the gospel of his saving grace. Can I have the last slide, please? No, yep. This is a, a Grace Ministry Study Bible owned by a Hindu family. Next one, please. Next, no, the one, yep. See, in um, India, businesses are in the hands of certain castes. It's a huge community of shops, a huge uh, string of shops in one part, one town in India. These are all from one caste group. They will not allow any other caste group to come and open a shop there. It is a cloth shop, very small. Somebody gave this man a study Bible. He read it during his spare time. He's a Hindu, a spare time in his shop. He came to know the Lord. He will go home at 11 o'clock at night, have dinner, and share the Bible with his wife. She came to know the Lord through reading the word. No pastor, no missionary, no IVC worker, nothing. The spirit of God just moving. His daughter, she came to know the Lord. The whole family came to know the Lord. And then he changed the name of the shop from Lakshmi, which was the name of a goddess of wealth in India, to Shanti Textiles, which means peace. One shop in the hearts of a Hindu business community. And on your left and right, you can see the Ten Commandments and the Sermon on the Mount in Telugu, in his shop. That is calling for trouble. It is like waving a red uh, flag in front of a bull. Right-wing militants will be mad. But he said, the God who saved me from the depths of hell and sin can save me from people. And his shop bag has all the scripture verses. Even his bill has scripture verses. And whenever he sells something to a guy, he slips in a tract. Oh, will we be willing to do that? You may say it is not politically correct, right? But kingdom of God is all about risks. The Lord Jesus Christ took the risk of abandoning heaven for sinful man like me. Abandoning his glory for me. So that I will have life. I will not have to spend my life in Christless eternity. My dear children, we have a responsibility to our generation. Christianity is not an easy chair religion, as Francis Schaeffer said. We cannot close this until we read what Naaman said. Chapter 
5 of 2 Kings 15. Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Now I know there is no God except the Lord Jesus. He says, your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other God but the Lord, Yahweh. The great I am. It is the greatest miracle is not a lame man walking. The miracle, I believe, is when a Hindu or a Muslim or a Buddhist who has a strong religion is transformed by the grace of God and believes in the Lord Jesus. He no more believes in his gods and goddesses whom he was afraid of. He trusts in Lord. That's a miracle. That's what happened to Naaman. He said, there is no, I will not offer any offering to any god because Naaman was born again by whom? The king of Israel? By the twig of a little girl. The most difficult of times. Praise Lord.